Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shanna and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Welcome back. Happy fall, y'all. Hello. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking a lot about ghost and paranormal activity. So fun and so spooky. (laughs) Yeah. And today, we are going to share with you our own personal amateur investigation that we attempted. We decided we would be investigating a local haunted place here in Colorado. What, 10 miles away from your house, Mandy? Yeah, so I live pretty far east, and it is about 10 miles east past my house on County Line Road towards Elbert County. And we have a lot of Indian stories out here in Colorado. Most of this area was the land of the Native Americans. I know we've talked about in the past a little bit about how Mandy's daughter has actually seen Indians. In my home. In her home. And there was one recently found when they were building on land right by our house right. in the ground. He was, they said he was about, the bones were about a thousand years old. Crazy. There's a lot of stories, a lot of legends, and this is a popular one. It's called Third Bridge. So I picked up Mandy and I brought my oldest daughter with me this time. And she had this paranormal EMF app on her phone. I will say that when we were heading there, it was still light out. So it wasn't quite as scary. It was dusk. Yes. And it was a very clear night. It was beautiful. And there's some amazing stargazing that happens out by this bridge because you're away from the city. And the night that we went, the stars were beautiful. But yeah, we headed down County Line going east. I felt excited. I think Shanna was a little apprehensive, but excited as well. Yeah. You know, your adrenaline's pumping. I can definitely feel my heart starting to beat a little faster. So the three of us headed down there, and this was actually my third time there. I had visited twice before, but we headed down this road. It's a very hilly road. There's a lot of beautiful homes out there. But then it turns into the dirt road, and for some reason, when it hits dirt, it kind of got scary for me. Yeah, and what's interesting is that it's basically the plains. So even though it's hilly, there's nothing out there. There's not a lot of trees. It's just field. Mm -hmm. But when you get to a bridge... It's all of a sudden green and lush. Right, so these creeks go underneath these bridges, and so there's a lot of growth around just these bridges, which kind of makes it creepy. Yep, and there's three of them, and they're spaced out. You can actually go on Facebook, and there is a page called Third Bridge, and it gives you a map of exactly where some of the incidents And the history happened that we'll get to here in a little bit after we share our own personal story. And I'd also like to say, I do not suggest you go out to this bridge. No, because the the street is very dangerous. It's a one-way street. The speed limit's 50. Cars are flying by each other. It's hilly. In some places, your vision is blocked by the fact that it is so hilly. There's a lot of trucks There's some construction going on. It's just not a safe road, and there's been lots of accidents on this road. When you get close to the bridges, all of a sudden the road turns dirt. A lot of people have gone out there and have lost their lives. On the dirt road from driving and carelessly and speeding. I wouldn't suggest it either, especially if you're teenagers. And it's so dark. 
Very dark. Very dark. Right as you're coming across the third bridge, you'll see a barn on your right that's a little past it. And we went probably, I don't know, 20 feet past the bridge and parked on the left-hand side. As we were going out there, we had heard some stories about seeing a lot of fog. And Lindsay and I both were seeing kind of these fog spots all like spread out everywhere. It was, it was weird. It was like a clear sky but then if you looked off in the distance, you could see almost what looked like fog or steam. When we first got out of the car, Shanna was recording all the way there. And then we got out of the car, we decided to take a picture of this tree we saw. Yeah, the tree was gorgeous. It was half alive and half dead. And that was the only reason why we took a picture of it. Yeah. It was just truly awesome. It was a beautiful tree. And we needed to hurry up and take that picture because the sun was going down at this point. And we actually have a picture of this tree that we're going to post because we, when we got home. And looked at it, you are going to freak out when you see what we captured yeah, on this picture. Right. We definitely caught an Indian and a horse. Absolutely. And a very long light orb mm-hmm. a very long energy coming out of his head it's the it's a really crazy picture and there's two pictures that were taken back to back one picture is kind of fuzzy and so she took another picture and it was in the second picture that she got missed all over the sky you could see some orbs on the right and then you see this long worm coming from the ground and we didn't notice at the time but when we got home there's a like a shadow of the horse looking down at this like indian head Yes. You can even see the feather coming off of the Indian's mm-hmm. head. And when we post it, we'd love to get your feedback on what you see. Yeah. At this point, I will say we all three agreed this is where we felt most of this unfamiliar energy. And then when we got out of the car and went to the backside of my vehicle, we all stopped and listened and we could hear drumming. It was across the road coming from the east, which is very bizarre because when I'd been out there twice before, I actually heard it on the bridge, but this time we didn't hear it on the bridge. Yeah, I heard it like south. Yes. Like behind the barn. Behind the barn. Yeah, so southeast, Mm -hmm. yeah. And a lot of people have said they hear this noise, and a lot of times it, it... if you follow it, it kind of takes you in circles. But we all three heard it coming from like the the southeast. Yeah, and it had a rhythm. It sounded like some sort of tribal drumming. Mm-hmm. So we heard the drumming. We all heard it. I definitely didn't feel like scary or anything when I heard the drumming. Like I had no fear of that drumming. I wanted to go find it. Oh, I didn't want to find it. Oh, I wanted to go find it, but the thing is, when you get out there, if you do go over to the other side, then you're trespassing because it is someone's land. But if it wasn't, I definitely would have gone towards the drumming. Wow, really? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, no, I didn't want to find the drumming. (laughs) I was just fine right there hearing it from a distance. So we start to head west towards the bridge, and... Like we'd mentioned, it was a it was a beautiful night, but it was a little brisk. We're walking towards the bridge, and Shanna's daughter starts telling us that she sees eyes to the left of the road. Right, and she's a lot like me. Like 
sure, we'll do ghosts, but we're not doing, like, wild animals. Uh-uh, <laughs> no, not in the dark. And so she comes over to me, and she she fla- she puts her flashlight towards the eyes, and I can see there are definitely two eyes, and they're low to the ground, some sort of animal. And at this point, I'm probably 10 feet ahead of them because they've decided to turn around and leave me. Yeah, and the thing <laughs> is, is that... Mandy's like, where's the eyes? And Lindsay's like... In front of you! Right in front, in of, front you. of you! And I'm like, in front of me this way or in front of me like towards the bridge? Like she wasn't telling me where it was. And so I'm just standing there. Yeah. And so my daughter decides to say, screw it. I'll, I'm just going to go with Mandy. And I'm like, screw that. I do not do wild animals in the dark. Okay. I have a raccoon phobia. This is not going to work out for me. I will stay back. And y'all are crazy. <laughs> So all of a sudden, though, I see two eyes go across the street towards them. And I'm thinking for sure they're going to get eaten by werewolves. Yeah. And I had no idea at this point. I saw it coming at me and I'm like, okay, I don't know what you're going to be, but I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me tell you, those eyes got to them. And all of a sudden, they're, like, laughing. They're like, it's a dog. And and what's really weird is when I had researched this back in 2013, there was a group of people that went out there that said that they had an encounter with a dog as well. Really? And that's, what, five years ago? And they said it was a puppy. But they described it with spots. And then this other gentleman came on, and he said, well, I have two dogs. So he must be the owner of the barn of the barn because he said, I have two dogs. Which one was it? My yellow one or the, the puppy with spots? But oh. it still wouldn't be a puppy. Yeah, because this dog, I think, definitely was a young and it dog. it was so loving. It was. It was so soft. And it had, it's like, sweet. a bell on its collar. Like, it would ring when it would run, and it would jump up, and it was, like, the happiest dog I've ever met. And, you know, here's the thing. I saw, I had heard from a lot of people that no one's ever out there. There was a lot of people driving out on that road that night. I think that's what was scaring you the most. That was because the street is so narrow and there's no sidewalk to walk on. Mm -mm. And so if they can't see you, you could easily get hit. That's why I was, I was very afraid and I was worried for this dog too. Yeah. We were very concerned. This dog had either gotten off of the property when it shouldn't have, and it was just chasing us up and down and we were afraid it was going to get hit by one of these big trucks brave mandy and brave Lindsay, my oldest daughter they decide they're going to go walk to the bridge and i decide that i'm going to be a scaredy cat and stay inside the car well let me tell you i probably would have been less scared had i went with them yeah because she went back towards the indian head and the horse and the (laughs) where the tree was that we took a picture of, where we felt most of the energy of something unknown. And Mandy took my phone. So I had no light and no phone. And I sat in the car and all of a sudden, I'm telling you, my ears were going bananas. Like, it was insane. Shannon and I have both found in the past, when we are going to sense a spirit, our ears go vroom, vroom. Boom. Shanna complained about that probably for 30 minutes even after we left this night. Yeah, it was very crazy. So Lindsay and I headed towards the bridge. I told her, you know what, let's get over the metal part of the bridge 
in case a car comes because we saw one coming in the distance. There's lots of stories about a car that comes over the hill out there and has one headlight out and it will come at you. So anytime we heard or saw a vehicle coming, we would definitely get a little nervous. So we went over to the side and this white truck was coming, going west. And it was the strangest thing. It got onto the bridge and literally went out of its way to swerve all the way to the left side of the bridge at us. If yeah, we, Lindsay said she had to hold the dog. She was afraid the dog was about to get hit. We were holding the collar. It was like this truck was either trying to scare us or trying to kill us. And I'm not kidding. It was really terrifying. And at that point, we were like, this is just weird. Yeah, so they decided to come back. Yeah, we did look around for a minute. We didn't hear the drums there. I did get a brief glimpse of what was under the bridge. There was a lot of graffiti. You can tell that a lot of people have been out there visiting. There was some trash. You could hear the water and the leaves kind of going in the wind a little bit. The feeling was not eerie. I was not scared. It was odd. I was more terrified of humans at this point than I was spirits. Yeah, so they made it back to the car, and we decided to take off. We're driving down County Line back to Mandy's house, and all of a sudden, there is that white truck behind us. And Shanna decides to slow down for some (laughs) freaking reason. Yeah, my first... I don't know what I was thinking, but I just, I was afraid. I'm like, Shanna, freaking put on the gas. Let's go. So we'll play a little clip of what that sounded like um, on our way home. It's pretty funny. Anyways, as you can see, we were panicking more about the white truck than we were any paranormal activity. It was so weird because he got right up on our butt and then he backed off. Yeah. And then when we got into the neighborhood where there's lots of lights, he... He kept going. He kept going. It was terrifying. It was. Our paranormal investigation did not really go over that well however when we did get home we did notice that we we did get a great picture yeah and not only did we get that but we also found some handprints on my car and my car had been washed so when you go out there your car gets really dusty from the dirt road so we not only got some great pictures from out there but we got some of my car in the garage and it's been known that a lot of people talk about when they get home they see handprints and I definitely had two very odd ones on the front of the car huge handprints handprints that just so happened to be right where the front of the car was facing that tree where we got the picture of the Indian ghost and the horse where I was sitting at by myself in the car (laughs) putting myself more at risk than they were well I don't know the white truck on the bridge was pretty scary yes So when she says amateur, it was amateur for many reasons. The fact that we actually never made it completely under the bridge where I wanted to go. Second of all, we wanted to record everything. And when we got out of the car and 
it stopped there for some reason. And, no, it actually was recording. So we were recording the entire time from the moment we got in the car to go there until we got home. But what was crazy is that everything from the minute we got out of the car at Third Bridge to when we got home was erased. Yeah. So So the clip that you heard was on my daughter's phone. That was not from my phone, which Mandy had when she went down to Third Bridge. All that was gone. And that's not uncommon either. I even talked about that in our episode about ghost stories in the most haunted places. A lot of people say that their video cameras, their lights, lots of things end up being turned off or shut down or their battery drains. So unfortunately, we lost all of that. Yeah. So we did a little research on Third Bridge and... You know, this has been a local legend forever out here, but little know the whole story of this area and what resulted. That was all the Indians' land at one time. And in fact, in 1851 was the Treaty of Fort Laramie. It was signed between seven Indian nations and the United States. And the United States recognized that the Cheyenne and the Arapaho Indians held a vast territory, which included southeastern Wyoming, southwestern Nebraska, and most of eastern Colorado and the western part of Kansas. But in 1858, gold was discovered in the Rocky Mountains, and many were heading west for the gold rush. Colorado Territory officials pressured the federal authorities to redefine the Indians' land. In 1861, they formed another treaty with six chiefs of the Southern Cheyenne and four of the Arapaho Indians. And this was called Treaty Fort Wise in Colorado. And it restricted access to many of the Indians' hunting grounds and also relocated them to a new reserved land that was less than one-thirteenth the size of the territory recognized in 1851 treaty. So it was located in Colorado between the Arkansas River and Sand Creek. That was their new reserved land. But some of the Cheyenne and Lakota Indians were upset with the chiefs who had signed the treaty because they felt like, you know, who are you to speak on, on behalf of all of us? And you didn't get blessing from the Supreme Tribal Authority. And so some of them refused to abide by this treaty, and they continued to live and hunt in these lands of eastern Colorado and western Kansas. And and the government had not held up on their end of the provisions of the treaty, and the Indians began hunting on undesignated land and stealing livestock and even taking prisoners to negotiate, like, terms of the treaty. And in April of 1864, the governor of the Colorado Territory, John Evans, called on the commander of the 1st Regiment of Colorado Volunteers and also was the very first Grandmaster of the Freemasons in Colorado. His name was Colonel Shivington. Colonel Shittington? It should have been. (laughs) He was called on to kill the Cheyenne Indians without even determining if they were innocent or guilty. The governor at the time of Colorado was also a Freemason. Mm -hmm. So in March of 1864, the young Hungates family, including Nathan, 
um, the father, his wife, Ellen, who both of them were in their 20s, their daughters, two-and-a-half-year-old Laura and Florence, six months old, they moved to Colorado, and Nathan had gotten a job on a ranch, and they lived here on the ranch, and it was located just south of County Line Road between Arapaho and Elbert County, near Box Elder Creek, located near the first and second bridge that we talked about when we did our amateur investigation. A few months later, on June 11th, Nathan was out herding cattle miles away from the ranch and saw smoke coming from the area of his cabin. And with fear for his wife and children, he rode back to the cabin and found that all of his livestock had been taken and all the buildings on the ranch were on fire, Mm. including his cabin where his wife and children were. And you could only hope that he didn't see the horror that had happened to his family. It's so disturbing. It is. Warning people. Yeah, he was captured by Native Americans and he was shot 80 times. It was found dead a distance from his house. But the bodies of his young wife, Ellen, and his two babies were found almost decapitated. And they were bound together and thrown into a shallow well. Mm. The bodies of the Hungate family were actually taken to Denver and displayed Mm -hmm. to show the people what the Indians had done. Mm. And that tragedy was kind of the key event that led to the Sand Creek Massacre. Wow. The Sand Creek Massacre was awful. Awful. Yes. And so this happened border of Kansas and Colorado, mm-hmm. around that area in Big Sandy Creek. Mm-hmm. The Cheyenne Chief Black Kettle actually is the one who led his people there. And there was probably, they say about maybe estimated 700 people in this village. Chief Black Kettle was known as a very peaceful chief. And he was actually trying to disassociate himself with some of the defiant Indians who were upset about, like, signing treaties and who was going around doing some of the things that happened to, like, the Hungate family. Mm -hmm. And he really wanted peace. In fact, he would always meet with Major Edward Winecoop, and Winecoop even said he really felt like Black Kettle was a divine being Mm -hmm. and really just wanted peace. And... You know, they had convinced him that the U.S. was almost protecting them in, in many ways. Like, this is your land, and you are protected. Here is your American flag, you know, and... He convinced Black Kettle of this? Yeah, well, I don't think that... He believed it, too. Oh, Yeah, okay. he did, too. In oh. fact, he wasn't legally supposed to be negotiating something between the Indians and the Colorado Territory, but he did end up being kind of a middleman. Okay. And he was telling Black Kettle, like, I'm sure that Governor Evans is going to want to negotiate peace here. Mm-hmm. And Black Kettle was, like, willing to get these prisoners that some of the Indians outside of his tribe had taken. Mm-hmm. So he would try to negotiate to get those prisoners back to the um, United States Army, and he just wanted peace. He mm-hmm. wanted to declare peace. He would surrender, whatever needed be. So Winecoop, though, he mistakenly thought that the governor, that Governor Evans would agree to this peace agreement because that ended up not being the case. Because in November of 1864, Colonel Shivington led an army of 700 men to the Cherokee village near the Colorado and Kansas border. 
and with them was also Captain Soule, commander of Company D, 1st Colorado Cavalry, and he believed that the Indians were peaceful and refused to follow Shivington's orders and told the men to hold their fire. But Shivington didn't care. Him and his men attacked this village, ignoring even that they were holding up their white flags and their U.S. flags like, we surrender, you know, we want peace. Mm. And Shivington's army of soldiers, they just ignored that and they began to fire. Shivington's soldiers killed innocent women, children, and men. And this was a chief village. So there was over 20 chiefs that were in this village as well. Black Kettle was not killed in this, although some Mm. reports in the newspaper back then said he was, but he was not killed at this massacre. He was killed shortly after, but not here at Sand Creek. Most of them were unarmed too in this village. They took scalps and other body parts as battle trophies, including human fetuses Mm. and male and female genitalia. Oh my God. Yeah, the Sand Creek Massacre was one of the worst massacres committed against Native Americans in history. So it was also the most investigated, and the Joint Committee on the Conduct of War held a investigation of the massacre, and Shivington testified before the committee. He liked to brag. So even in like interviews that were in the newspaper, he was always bragging, like, I killed five to 600 Indians, and only a few of them were women and children. But others testified saying that it was more like only 53 men and maybe 110 women and children. And some of even his fellow Masons who were at the Sand Creek Massacre even objected and were publicly denouncing him. But Captain Sewell, the one who refused to join the Sand Creek Massacre, he testified against Shivington as well. He then was murdered shortly after in Denver Mm. after his testimony. Mm, How convenient. Right? So while the committee condemned Shivington for his soldier's conduct, no criminal charges were brought against him. The Colorado Freemasons had officially suspended Shivington at first, but then once they got the report from the Congress that he was not going to be charged for anything, he was then reinstated. But Shivington did resign, but he stand by his actions until he died. Yeah. So Governor Evans also resigned as well after the massacre. The Sand Creek Massacre then led to what some call the Colorado War, and it was a series of raids against settlers in Colorado and in Kansas, and this was all preceding the Hungate Stanley murder. So it started out over by the Third Bridge. Started out there, yeah. Here we are today, and I don't think that most people who go out to Third Bridge know the history. This affected us. And it just makes me so sad. Yeah, me too. Well, speaking of sad, unfortunately, I have more sadness to report because I looked into more recent history on Third Bridge. I went to Smoky Hill High School, so I already knew the story about a group of teenagers that had visited the bridge back in 1997. Some of these kids were also students at Smoky Hill. Back in the summer of 1997, around midnight, two carloads of teenagers aging from 11 to 16 Mm -hmm. decided to go out to the bridge. And the first car that got there had come down the big hill 
and didn't realize how narrow the bridge was, and they lost control and went into the creek under Third Bridge. Two girls died, and several others were injured, and one, unfortunately, is paralyzed for the rest of her life. She was the driver. And Mm. then the carload of kids that were behind that car went to avoid hitting the bridge, and their vision was affected from the dust and they veered down and hit a tree so both cars ended up actually crashing and the second car a lot of them ended up in the hospital but they all lived and then on sunday june 13th of 2010 there was a man by the name of randy wilson who was murdered just about a mile east of third bridge His body was found with a bag over his head and a belt around his neck. And his hands were, I know, his hands were tied behind his back as well with, with like zip ties. That's scary. So this man was a teacher at the Kiowa High School and he was extremely loved by his students and by his fellow, you know, peers. Wow. I know. So it was a very big shock to this small town community And a lot of people wanted answers. Unfortunately, none ever came. Oh my gosh, they never found the killer? No, unfortunately not. There were literally no leads on who committed the crime. His wallet was taken, and his car was on the side of the road. But the people never used his credit cards, so they were never able to track anyone. And all the only evidence they found was a jack that was left on the side of the road, and a glove, a black glove. But there were no other clues. Did he have, so maybe this guy, like, stopped to help somebody with a flat tire? Yes. and So it's likely somebody local. Well, there was an arrest in 2017. So just think about that, seven and a half years later. Mm -hmm. And it really stirred up a lot of emotions for that town. Because people felt like they had to relive it. The gentleman that was arrested was actually dismissed because the judge said there was no reasonable likelihood that they could prove beyond a reasonable doubt, considering the circumstances, that this particular man did it. Wow, interesting. There has been nothing since. The gentleman that was arrested had a prior history a very long one, but he also had a history of lying and admitting to crimes that he didn't commit. Um. So the story that he told didn't match. He said he tied his hands behind his back with rope, and it wasn't rope. It was actually two zip ties on each wrist and then one in the middle. And a lot of the things he admitted to completely did not match up to what the scene looked like and what had actually happened. Wow. I, know. I mean, and this is a small city and probably don't deal with a lot of murders. No, and he was coming home and he stopped at a gas station. He'd gone on a road trip and he was on his way back home. This man had two sons, one getting ready to graduate from Kiowa High School, and he had two grandchildren on the way. It's just so sad. He was known as just a very nice man. And the fact that they've never gotten any answers was just really upsetting to me. But there is a wooden cross off the side of the road with his last name on it, Wilson, to honor him. Like I said, it is approximately a mile east of Third Bridge. Wow. 
So that story plays into kind of the ghost and paranormal activity and what has happened around this bridge. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, on October 4th, 2016, a car load of teenagers also died after visiting this bridge. So they'd gone out in the early morning, and as they left, their car crashed and rolled, and every single teenager in the car died. The Ugh. car engulfed in flames. One got thrown out. And this was on County Line Road going west, leaving the bridge. But they did say speed was a factor. And as we talked about, it's very hilly. And dirt roads. And dirt roads. Very but dark. just another sad, tragic yeah. story to yeah. add to this road. And if you look up County Line Road, it's said to be one of the most dangerous, most haunted roads in Colorado. Wow. I know. Which adds to some of the hauntings that have been experienced. They've seen ghosts like girls. Or they hear a woman screaming. A woman standing in the middle of the bridge. Yeah. They've heard screams from a woman and a child. There's reports that there has been an Indian man on a black horse. Of course, of drumming. The car with the one headlight. People have said that they actually see a woman that approaches your car will ask you some astrological questions, and if you answer them right, then she will wave you over to where the spirits are, and then all of a sudden she just disappears. There's all kinds of crazy... Phantom cars. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably add that I went back out there again with Shanna's daughter and my daughter. (laughs) I was like, hell no. (laughs) And we were on the bridge, and the very first vehicle that went by was a white truck. Oh, my lord. (laughs) I really hope that the white truck isn't the murderer. Yeah. Yeah. We also saw some orbs and some lights. From that second night. And again, Lindsay caught it on her camera. Her and my daughter saw it. I did not see it. It was over in the trees by where they have moved the original bridge. So the original bridge has been moved off to the south side. And it's over by what you can see as like an older home. They kept seeing this light over there. Yeah. And Lindsay caught it on camera. Yeah, and it's moving. It's yeah. like a streak of light. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. We'll post that one as well. We didn't do we very lucked good, out. We didn't, no, we yeah. didn't do very good. Yeah. But considering we had no equipment that were new it and was we got our first great thing, pictures. We got yeah. amazing pictures. Which we are going to post on our Facebook Sense of Soul SOS. So please go there and check them out. Awesome. You know what? If you are looking for a podcast to listen to some spooky research on the paranormal, about a year ago I had done an interview with Westgate paranormal research on an episode that they were going to do on Marie Laveau and I was actually able to help them gather some information that I had just learned through my ancestry and some of my research on Marie Laveau yeah and they did a great job honoring her so you should check out that episode and again their podcast is Westgate Paranormal Research so you should check them out Super awesome. It will kind of go along with the theme of what we will be talking about next week. We're going to be looking at the Salem Witch Trial, and Mandy will share with us her connection to a few of those witches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we'll also be talking a little bit about Marie Laveau, as well as some of the other famous witches and witch hunts and trials. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you join us next week. We hope you enjoyed our paranormal investigation (laughs) so let us know what you think about the pictures we're going to post them on facebook and on our website www.mysenseofsoul.com 
And if you like our episode, don't forget to review and subscribe. And please comment and donate if you feel the need. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. We truly rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.